0: God speaks his word to us this morning from the last chapter in the Old Testament, the prophet Malachi, as he prophesies about the coming of the Lord, from Malachi 4, verses 1 through 6. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on that day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Well, everybody, it is finally time. It's time for Christmas. Uh, I'm, I'm one of those people where I guess I'd say my pet peeve is, is our society's trying to jump the gun on Christmas all the time. Uh, and I'm not picking on anybody in this room. So if, if you're, it's okay. It's just my thing that I don't like skipping over Thanksgiving. Like take our time, let's get there first. And then when we're done, right, we can officially get into it. So we're there now and, uh, I will slowly get into this Christmas spirit thing. I'm, i love thanksgiving so don't don't cheat me out on my thanksgiving so um and, and and since it's time you you now have my permission as though you needed it to start watching christmas movies do you do you guys have a favorite christmas movie uh, I, I like i like a lot of them probably the, the typical ones elf has become a favorite around my house uh christmas vacation right uh Christmas Carol Christmas Story all great but do you want to guess which one is my favorite which one is my favorite Christmas movie of all time who has a guess it's coming there it is yeah that's my favorite Um, a lot of people hate this movie and it's so interesting to me because I just love it so it's a wonderful life is my all-time favorite Christmas movie um, I, I, I guess it's probably just a story that really resonates uh, with me. You know, I, I love this idea that, that we, a, a guy gets to see how much his, you know, his life matters, right? Um, it, it, how great that would be for all of us. Um, you know, we're not, we're not aware of it on a day-to-day basis, but, but to get the chance to do that, right? Wouldn't you love to have that same, that same opportunity, the, the chance that George Bailey gets, right? to see how different life would have been if you hadn't been born. I, I think it'd be a neat thing to see, I think. Um, the movie sure is great about it. I, hope, I don't know if it would be the same, but, right? Uh, I, I think all of us, you know, just like George, we, you know, we could say, you know, life hasn't always gone the way that we thought it would. Right? Life has been full of disappointments and, and, and things that just didn't turn out like I hoped that they might. But to get to see behind the scenes, right, that, that our life has made a difference to people, even though we didn't get to do the grand thing that we had, we had dreamed of doing, how cool would that be? So we are starting a, a new series for Advent, and, and I, I just simply want to look at uh, how God used ordinary people to carry out an amazing story. Um, and I, I would say our, our character for this morning probably felt like Uh, George Bailey, who is the main character of It's a Wonderful Life, um, disappointed, disappointed in life, feeling like things weren't the way they hoped they would be. Not sure that God cared very much about uh, their lives or or their lives hadn't made much of a difference. His whole life had been waiting for greatness. And And it was greatness that never came. He's, at the end of his life, and he's, he's lived a quiet, disappointed life. So let's, let's pray as we reflect on the question of Zechariah, which is, does, does God care about my life? Let's pray together. Father, would you use your word, would you use this time for your glory, for our benefit, that we would know more about you, that we would be more secure in who we are, Not because of our own self-esteem, but because of you. Would you fill us with faith as we ask this question, do you care about our lives? Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So our passage for this morning is Luke chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 5 through 25. Luke 1, 5 through 25. and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you, to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people who were waiting for Zechariah, they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. So our time this morning is going to be spent uh, on a man named Zechariah. And, and so by obvious association, his wife Elizabeth. But before we examine their lives it's important to sort of set the stage uh, of history for, for this story. Wait, waiting for Christmas is, is hard, especially for kids. I guess most of the kids are not in here anymore. Um, we, when I was a kid, we didn't live that close to, to my family. And so, um, you know, Christmas was a big deal getting to, getting to go, go see family wherever uh, we were coming from. But, but I have these vivid memories uh, as a kid um, you know usually it was around Thanksgiving or something where everybody getting on the phone and that was a big deal right you had to call long-distance and you had to keep it under a certain time because it was expensive and it's weird to think about those days isn't it um, but one of the things that so my grandparents would always do is say okay we need to talk to you tell your parents to leave the room because we we have to ask you some questions and and, and they, you, you guys remember everybody would get a Sears catalog or a JCPenney catalog? You guys remember what I'm talking about? It's so weird to think about all this. But, um, you know, you get the catalog and they'd say, okay, get your catalog out and, and circle all the things that you want uh, on there and then, and then tell us some of those. And so, um, you know, I remember going, okay, turn to page 418 and there's these Legos and then turn to, you know, because they wanted to know exactly what we wanted. But, you know, they'd ask for, you know, several different things. And, and, and I just always remember getting off that phone call, right? And y- did anybody do this? you guys know what I'm talking about? Is this a, okay, just making sure that you guys are with me. So I just, uh, you get off the phone, and, and you're going, oh, man, you know, how many days till Christmas? And are they going to order the right thing? Are they going to, is it going to come? Which thing are they picking out? You just didn't know. And, and there was a chance you might get a knitted sweater or something instead. But, um but, you know, you're just hoping, please let it be the G.I. Joe that I picked out of this year's catalog, right? Um, was, I, was I going to get the thing that I asked for? That was kind of always the, 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 the thing that was in the pit of your stomach, right? Am I going to get it? And, and Christmas kind of is just a time of, of waiting. And, and, and it's interesting that Christmas started that way uh, also. So in our story now, it's been 400 years 400 years is such a long time. Um, 400 years since the end of the Old Testament, since these words of Malachi that we just uh, just read. God hasn't spoken to his people in 400 years. But he He left them with a promise. That that passage we read in Malachi is is this interesting promise that, that God is about to do something huge. But the promise hasn't come yet, right? They didn't know when it would come, but it hasn't come yet, and it's been 400 years. And so, so the Jews are, are at this point in time living as a conquered people, right? And they've had several uh, other nations that have conquered them and, and, and subdued them over the last 400 years. But at this point, they're under the occupation of the Romans. They had no army. They had no ability to fight back. They just were kind of this conquered, hopeless people. The, ma- the main guy in charge is a, a man by the, by the name of Herod the Great. But for the, the Jews, he was not great by any means. He was, he was terrible. He does one interesting thing, though. He, he realizes that the Jews have been kind of pushing back and fighting. And he's trying to stop this rebellion of theirs. And he says, look, will you guys stop fighting me if I build you a temple, right? It got destroyed several times. The, the Greeks especially desecrated the thing. I mean, it's in rubble. If I build you a temple, will you, will you leave me alone and stop fighting me, right? Can we just get along? And so they kind of agreed to that. And so Herod builds this temple. It takes him, you know, 40 years to do it. And, um, and, and there it is. But the first thing he puts on the temple is an, a Roman eagle. In, in the Jews' mind, he desecrated it again, right? He puts a Roman eagle up there as a symbol to say this is, it may be your temple, but it's mine, and it's under my control, and I can do whatever I want with it. So, not good. Um, conquered people, no hope. They have their temple back, kinda, but they're still waiting. Right? They're waiting for God to do something, to send some sort of hope. Right? And you think Christmas, waiting for Christmas is hard, Try waiting 400 years and seeing nothing but bad news. This is the the setting of of the very first Christmas. And and many Jews had just totally given up. They just had lost hope, totally given up that God was going to do anything. All of it was over. They didn't have hearts that were still waiting. They didn't have hearts that were prepared for him. So the, the end of the, the book of Malachi, we see this idea, right? This, this promise that God is, is going to send Elijah again, which is, which is a very strange thing, right? But he's going to send Elijah again. And Elijah is going to be the one who prepares the way for this messenger, this mediator, this, this Messiah. Right, the son of God, this son of David, the, the, the king of Israel. Right? That's the promise that they've, they've had, that, that something big is coming. This Messiah. And Elijah's going to be the one that prepares the way. So now let's meet Zechariah. Zechariah means God remembers. God remembers. And, and we're about to see that, that even though Zechariah might feel like God has forgotten him, the opposite is true god remembers zechariah and and he remembers his people israel zechariah's wife his, her name is elizabeth and and the, the name elizabeth means god is my oath god is my oath and god is indeed about to make an oath a promise that is going to bring light that's going to eradicate darkness the, the darkness that both Zechariah and and Elizabeth have lived under, and and it's a darkness that that Israel has experienced as a people for for over 400 years. Our passage tells us that Zechariah and Elizabeth have both come from priestly families, which is a big deal. Uh, In the Jewish culture, that would have meant they were kind of like doubly blessed. They were people of high esteem. They were both priestly families. And, and we read that they are righteous before God, that they keep His commands. Now, that doesn't mean that they've never sinned. But, but the, the, the description that, that they are righteous means that they have, they have lived their lives in an effort to please God. Right? That's been the, the, the theme of their life. They're not perfect, but they have been waiting. They've been true to the promise, and they've tried to please God in their lives. And yet, in spite of all of that, in spite of trying to please God in spite of all their service for Him, there is a sadness because they have not been able to have a child. So let me just kind of bookmark that and say this is one of the many places in Scripture where we see that devotion to God does not guarantee a life free of heartache and trouble and difficulty. And anybody who tells you that doesn't understand Scriptures. And just look at these two people who have gone through Everything and they're faithful to God and they've experienced all kinds of heartache. But God is about to intervene in their lives in a miraculous way, in a way that would overcome this darkness and this hopelessness that they felt and that all the people felt. In those days, the inability to have a child was seen as a curse, it meant you had done something especially wrong against God, especially wrong. And especially, and you would say probably, of course, that's the case, it would be against the woman, right? It was never Zechariah's fault. It was going to be Elizabeth's fault, especially in the eyes of the people. Elizabeth must have done something very, very wrong, right? Had she been unfaithful? Had she? What had she done that, that made her not able uh, to have children? And, and so everyone who saw them probably thought, This priest and his wife, what a what a you know how despicable that they haven't been able to have children. What a shame. They must have done something wrong. Elizabeth must be a terrible woman. So they lived their lives in this kind of shame, which is an awful thing. But, But now we read that they are old. They're old enough that their hope of having children had gone. There there are some traditions that say they were in their 80s, but we know that they're at least in their 60s. To get the description of being old in, in Scripture means you're in your 60s. And they had given up on waiting for children. They've probably stopped the prayer of asking for a child, which is why it's interesting that the angel says, your prayer has been answered. Most think it means he had been praying for the restoration of Israel, for redemption of the people, but he was gonna use a child to do that very thing. Just kind of an interesting thought. But the time had come, they had prayed, and there was still no hope. The the, the possibility for having children had had gone for them. But but the passage tells us that Zechariah has, has got something cool going on in his life, and that is that he's been selected to go into the temple and offer incense uh, the estimates that there were over twenty thousand priests at this time, and and to they would draw lots, right? And and so you kind of it was kind of like winning the lottery, and and so it was this great honor to do it, and it was a once in a lifetime honor because once you'd been selected, you never got to do it again. So this was his one and only time to ever go into the temple to get to offer the incense. Um, this was it. This was everything he had been working for his whole life as a priest. This was his biggest day. And there he is, right? You can imagine. Uh, you can imagine his probably nervousness, excitement. He's going into the temple. Like what? A, what a uh, what an honor. And in this big moment, God steps in. And, and, an angel appears before him while he's burning the incense. And he tells them that good news has come. Not to be afraid. That God is about to do a miracle and give Elizabeth a child. And and he even says, look, his name is going to be John. And we find out this is more than just about hope for Zechariah and Elizabeth. This is not just any baby, right? This is going to be a miracle baby, but it's going to be even more than that. It's going to be about the big story that all Israel had been waiting for. The Messiah, this promised Messiah from 400 years ago is on the way. The, the prophecy about, from Malachi about Elijah coming and, and this future king of Israel, this, this messenger, mediator, Messiah. It's time. It's time now. And, and I find it interesting that, that Zechariah asks a question right? A seemingly innocent question, right? Well, how's that going to work, right? I'm an old man. My wife's an old woman. How is this going to work, Gabriel? He, he's just wondering, how is she going to get pregnant in, in her old age? I, I guess I would just say, I, I think probably God knows the heart, right? Because we'll see Mary in a couple of weeks. She asks a question. She's going to say, how can this be? And there's an, a reason why she's going to doubt why she can have a child. He, he's asking a similar question. But it seems as though God knows the heart of Zechariah. Right? There's, there's doubt in his heart. And it, it's interesting, God is going to shut his mouth. He says, look, you're not going to get to tell the good news, but you're not going to get to be in on telling the story until John is here. And then John will tell the story. It's interesting, I think God knows our hearts. Sometimes we, we have the right things to say, we know the right things to say. We don't always mean it. And our hearts aren't where they should be. And there are many times that I, I pray something like, your will be done, God, but I probably don't mean it. I want his will to be done as long as it fits my will. That's a great win-win, right? God, your will be done, but if it doesn't look like mine, then I'm kind of not hoping for it. Zechariah is in an odd moment of history and, and an unexpected moment, and, and so it's, it's w- understandable that he would have doubts. But it is odd. This priest who trusts God apparently has just been praying there as he's burning the incense on the behalf of the people, probably on behalf of himself and his wife. An angel says, I'm going to answer all your prayers, and Zechariah hesitates. He hesitates. He doesn't believe it at first. God tells him in his, his prayers are going to be answered, and instead of celebrating, he lets his doubts win the day. So the first thing I want to say about this is, is to say, don't stop praying looking at Zechariah's life, there there are things in life that seem hopeless. There are things that seem improbable. There are things that we've been praying for for a long time that we start to think, well, I guess God's not going to do anything about it, so I'm going to give up on that prayer. I would say keep on praying. seems like in Zechariah's life, it was good that he kept on praying. And and every day you and I are are stuck between the same options that Zechariah and Elizabeth had. To to respond in doubt like Zechariah or to to respond in in faith and trust as as it seems Elizabeth did. Life would be so much easier if, if we got the gift that George Bailey got we got to see the end of the story, right, if we got to see the end of our lives and to get to see that where we are and what we did and, and all that became of our lives mattered, that it meant something, that it was all for a reason, what an amazing blessing. But I, I doubt we'll ever get that on this side of heaven. Instead it looks like we are just going to have to live on in faith, Living each day, not knowing the impact that we're going to have. Not knowing if the things in our lives that seem hopeless are actually, actually a blessing in disguise. Not knowing what is in store. A, a life that includes struggle and a life that includes waiting. Seems like that's what is, is in store for us. But in all of that, life is so simple. It boils down to one thing, and that is trust. Trust. The the story of Zechariah, the question is, does your life look like a person who trusts God with everything? That was was the decision of Zechariah. Advent culminates in in common people like Zechariah, which means God remembers. And it dwells in faithful women like Elizabeth, which means God is my oath. And it carries into the birth of John whose name means God has been gracious. They remind us that from the beginning God has been the author of a story that results in bringing hope. Hope in the midst of a dark world. That, that those in the dark would see the light and call upon this coming Savior, this coming mediator, this coming Messiah, Jesus. So does God care about my life? Does God care about your life? Advent reminds us that even when it seems like God has forgotten his people for 400 years, God remembers. He reminds us that God is faithful to carry out the oath that he has made, the, the oath that he made with Adam and with Abraham and every generation of his people throughout history, that he would send a savior, the Messiah who would bring hope to the world. And it reminds us, as John's name says, that God delights in extending his grace to us. Let's pray. Father, would we stop in our lives, see see the lives of people like Zechariah, like Elizabeth, living in a dark time, in a dark world, a place that seems like everything's getting worse and there is no hope, would we stop and be, re- be reminded of the promise? The promise of Jesus. Would you remind us that we can have hope because of your great love for us, because of a way that was made Would we see this Advent season as a a great reminder of the cost that was paid on our behalf, that we could look forward to celebrating light in a dark place. God, fill us with hope, not just today, but going forward every day from now on. In Jesus' name, amen.